I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words. In this preview, we'll be sharing a clip from tomorrow's interview with Lieutenant Colonel James Worth. If you'd like to see more previews like this, please let us know at kharbaugh at evergreenpodcasts.com. We had very little difficulty forming up. It was a nice morning, uh, not very many clouds, and the formation formed beautifully. And uh, we started across the channel and coasted in over uh, Holland at uh, 20,000 feet. We were heading for Halberstadt was our target. And uh, about 30 minutes in uh, to just clearing the Dutch border into Germany, why uh, the gunners in the rear called off uh, fighters attacking from the rear, uh, ME-110s, and uh, they seemed to not press the attacks. They would fire from long range, and uh, I saw two or three instances by looking out to the right, seeing their 20 millimeters busting, exploding out in front of us. We got into the IP, turned IP, headed to the target, Sharkey called off 25 fighters level at three o'clock, flying parallel to us, opened the bomb doors, released the weapons, we turned off the target. Turned west, still at 20,000 feet. And then I noticed that the lead aircraft in the squadron, his bomb bay doors weren't completely closed. So that our squadron started drifting slowly back from the group. All at once, I heard the pilot call, fighters 12 o'clock, high, coming in. I had my turret pointed at 12 o'clock high. Before I even got the sight on a fighter, I squeezed the trigger, and I saw an airplane, and I started tracking him and firing him, and this other one flew in to my cone of fire and exploded. Uh, it appeared to me, when I first started hitting him, that he released a whole bunch of, of uh, water. A spray of water came off the airplane. Then it just swelled up. The airplane kind of swelled up, rolled over on its back. And then I noticed that the hole underneath the airplane was burning. And it went under the thing and apparently exploded behind us. Uh, but it exploded out in front of us too because we flew into its debris. Within 30 seconds of then, we called off another group of fighters coming through, and before I could swing my guns around onto it, my turret went dead. And I heard number three engine started screaming noise, just a horrible noise coming out of number three engine, and then it exploded. And uh, I looked out before it exploded, and the whole, all the cowling was solid scarlet red from heat fire inside, and then the propeller came off. And just about the time the propeller came off, I felt this impact, and I thought I'd been hit in the stomach. I knew it was hit, but I thought I was hit in the stomach. And, uh, and then I thought, oh, I'm blind in this eye, because this flap of skin had fallen down over my left eye. And uh, uh, I reached out, grabbed my leg, and put it back in place. It, it wasn't separated, his bone was broken, so I put it back in place. And then that airplane went into a dive. He dived it to put out the fire, which was burning. And uh, when he dove the airplane, why, my leg just got up and flew around. Yeah, and I couldn't control it. 
and I couldn't understand why I couldn't get back in my seat. But when that shell hit me, it broke the back of my seat right off. You know, one of those spring steel seats? Broke it right off. And I was actually laying against the navigator's table. We're in a dive. Two ME-1010s, there was an FW-190, by the way, that were making these attacks. Uh, two ME-110s followed us down. We were in a high-speed dive and uh, no communications at all. We had uh, all of the electricity was shot out. He hit the alarm bell, but with no electricity, the alarm bell doesn't sound. So that's why nobody bailed out. We leveled off at 1,500 feet, went, immediately went into a climb and stalled out again and dove again. He was having a little trouble controlling the airplane because of this ex excessive amount of damage to it. The, he had partial control of the elevators. He had no control of the rudder. In fact, he used the uh, elevator uh, trim tab to fly the airplane coming back. We got stabilized at 1,500 feet and the two ME-110s follow, followed us for a while but they didn't make serious attempts to attack, uh, mostly because the, uh, uh, we were going home, we were badly damaged, and the waste gunners uh, were still firing see, whenever they'd come close. And maybe they could be trainees, we didn't, you never know. In any event, we, uh, I started hurting. And Sharky, the navigator, got two morphine surrettes they were frozen solid, so I put them in his mouth. Cut some cables to the Bombay door controls and put a tourniquet on my leg. He lifted the flap in my eye and he said, your eye's still there. And I, and I could see it all done, it just cut the skin here and it had fallen down over my eye. This tooth was loose from the piece of, of uh, shrapnel that had hit my lip and bent this tooth back and so I pushed it back into position my tongue almost fainted from the pain of it and that bothered me all the way back for some reason that tooth loose I said boy I sure hate to lose a tooth that was Lieutenant Colonel James Worth make sure to catch our full interview with Worth when it releases tomorrow We often hear about the individuals who took the oath of office to become the chief executive. But what about the other people who play a role in each administration or the events that may not be as well known, but that contribute to the reshaping of the office of the American presidency? On the presidencies of the United States, we explore each administration beyond just the person holding the highest elected office in order to better understand the history that brought us to the modern day presidency. I hope you'll join me on this journey through the annals of presidential history. Presidencies can be found anywhere fine podcasts can be found and is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.